0: Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It is the Bobby Curran Show. Without Bobby Curran, it is Gary Dickman filling in for Bobby Curran. Tanner Hayworth here as well. we'll have the Sports Animals at 7 a.m. Chris Hart will be on with us then, of course, taking you all the way till 9 a.m. Hopefully, the traffic. Uh, It has to be better than yesterday. That was incredible. That was one of the worst rainstorms I have ever driven in here at least. And I've been through some pretty bad ones. I guess it was kind of a typical day if you're in Hilo. And I know Josh Pacheco would probably attest to that. But man, that was crazy yesterday afternoon. That was everybody I knew. I was at Ruby Tuesday. Every single person was almost an hour late because of the traffic. And even myself, not quite that much, though. But hopefully the rain will ease up just a little bit today. I drove in today, and it was uh, sprinkling little drizzles here and there, but nothing like yesterday yet. I do believe the flash flood watch has been canceled. Saw an email on that a couple of hours ago. So we'll get you caught up with traffic throughout the morning and uh, help you get to work, hopefully, and wherever you're going, and a lot of sports to go over uh, the day after is one way of putting it. I think Tanner is probably more depressed than I am. I'm always depressed a little bit, and I'm serious about it. Whenever a sports season ends, Uh, and most sports do end in dramatic fashion, and college football will take a little bit of a rest now that the season is over. I said yesterday I, I thought Michigan would win. I thought it would be a close game and I thought both teams would score probably, you know, high 20s, mid 30s. Well, Michigan held their end of the bargain up. Uh, Washington, unfortunately, did not. And first, quarter maybe I thought the game could have gone either way I think it was kind of obvious throughout the game though after that that this game was going to be Michigan and it wasn't through the air as we kind of expected we knew Michigan had that great running game and they showed it yesterday 300 I'm going to get the actual rushing yards they had 303 rushing yards four touchdowns every touchdown was on the ground and maybe not a surprise. Blake Corum with two. He had 134 yards. And uh, the other running back got a couple. Donovan Edwards got a couple of touchdowns in the first half. And it was pretty much all Michigan. I was I know Washington got back. I believe within seven at one point. I was hoping they would make a game of it when they were down 27-13 initially. And then I think there was an interception on fourth down for Michael Penix Jr. in Washington. Michigan ran it back, got another touchdown, and that was all she. Really happy for Roman Wilson. He gets a championship ring. Don't feel good for the Hawaii players on Washington's squad who don't get the championship ring. I think I saw, I did see a graphic. That was Washington's first loss in 21 games, 14-0 this year, and they won the last seven the year before in 22. Uh, that's a long way to go without losing a game, and they're still a great team. Uh, I know Kalen DeBoer, their coach, said we just fell a little short, or words to that effect, paraphrasing a little bit. And they still, it wasn't like they got embarrassed. And I wouldn't call the game a rout, even though the final score might indicate that. Uh, Again, Michigan was definitely the better team. And uh, Washington just fell a little bit short, maybe, depending on how you look at it. Still a pretty good season, to say the least. And to me, the good thing would have been, if Washington did win, is that the Pac-12, which no longer exists in football, at least right now, would have had a national championship on their way out. And it wasn't to be. uh, Still a great year for them. They will play each other, Washington and Michigan. It's in early October in Seattle. Just, now remember, if you weren't aware, Washington will be in the Big Ten next year. I also saw where Michigan, I believe Michigan is playing Texas next year uh, in October, or maybe in September for that game, another team that was in the semifinals or the college football playoffs. Uh, and That college football playoff, as we knew it, will no longer exist next year, the 12-team playoff, which I think will be even better, although to be better, in my opinion, would have been eight teams. 12, to me, is a little bit too much, A, and the fact that teams get a bye, I don't like that at any kind of college playoffs, even in the pro level. It's a big advantage, and I don't think it's necessary. And Anyway, we're going to go with 12. 12 is better than 4, though. I do like that. I did see the interview with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I guess this was actually in Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt after the game. Obviously, he's getting interviewed everywhere. And uh, Scott Van Pelt had to ask him the question at the end, what's next? Uh, I mean, he knew he wasn't going to give an answer on what is next, but I think Scott Van Pelt was trying to get out when we will find out what is next. Uh, the 24 hours, is it 48 hours before you even think about it? And Jim Harbaugh didn't really give an answer on that. But one thing I thought was kind of cool, he said, well, you know, when he was asked what's next, he said, well, we got a 1 p.m. checkout tomorrow and then we're going to go back to Ann Arbor. That's what's next. That's a great answer. But they asked him about spring practice. Oh, he brought it up on his own, I guess, and he said they've always started spring practice on Valentine's Day. And he said, because we love football. (laughs) I never knew, well, I knew they loved football. I didn't know they always practice on Valentine's Day because we were talking yesterday about the University of Hawaii. And I still don't know if it's official. I know Stephen Tsai wrote about it today, but they're starting practice. It was tentative yesterday. In today's uh, column, it doesn't say that it's tentative, but it's January 29th, which is 20 days away from now. And that is as early as I've ever seen spring practice. Even the ones in February I thought were really, really rare. Uh, But Michigan apparently has been doing that all this time. But Jim Harbaugh said we're pushing it back a month, so it's going to be in March. He didn't give a reason why. And to me, when I first heard that, I'm thinking, well, that means he probably is staying then just because he's already talking about moving spring practice. If he thinks he's on his way out, why is he already setting a date or moving it? So, I mean, there's different ways of looking at that. And, you know, I I know everybody's trying to find something through the comments or anything about the situation from Jim Harbaugh, what his future holds. You know, I saw somebody else write yesterday, and this makes sense. Is he going to get a better job in the NFL than what he has at Michigan? This is obviously a great stretch that they've got going. They've been in the playoffs, what, three years in a row. Which isn't easy. I mean, the only thing, only Alabama and maybe even Clemson has done it like as far as three years in a row or four years in a row. And not a lot of teams have done that. Uh, even, I guess, Georgia would be in that uh, on that short list as well. But if he goes to the Chargers or the Raiders, the two teams most commonly mentioned for Jim Harbaugh, is that a better situation for him? Now, he gets out of the NCAA's uh, jurisdiction. Doesn't have to deal with that. He doesn't have to worry about sanctions or any of that stuff. The money would, I guess, be more in the NFL, but you would think Michigan would love to keep him for a lot longer. And I don't know if they would go to $10 million or more. You would I don't know what he makes now. In fact, I'm going to look that up. But he probably makes close to that now, and I'm sure he has some bonuses where he was making uh, around that much. But is the NFL that much more prestigious as far as the salary and what you can do? Now, again, you win a national championship. Is there a better way to go out? Probably not. I don't think you can do that. You know, it's the best way to retire or move on is uh, if you win a championship. Uh, it would be great to see him in a, I mean, win a Super Bowl. How many coaches? I don't think there's anybody that's ever won a Super Bowl as a head coach and a national championship uh, as a head coach in college football. What I'm seeing here also, Jim Harbaugh has uh, – I'll have to confirm this, but it looks like he got a 10-year, $125 million deal – and I'll try to get the exact date of this and see what year he's in, but that's $12.5 and a year. I don't know of any, how many NFL coaches make more than that. Belichick might have been on that list. Uh, I don't know if Andy Reid is on that list. Uh, there's probably a couple of coaches near that. Not many. Uh, so the, is the money better than what he might be making at Michigan? So even though it seems like most people are in agreement that he's going to move on, just a matter of where again just to get out of the ncaa garbage that he has to deal with and maybe it's not garbage to everybody but we'll wait and see and i would hope without knowing either way i would hope it's going to be done sooner than later i hope this thing doesn't drag out i don't think it will because you still got the uh next signing period in college football which is less than four weeks away might be less than three weeks we we'll have to do the math on that but it's the first wednesday in february so if you are staying at Michigan, you're going to have to make a, a decision one way or the other fairly soon. And so today, um, it'll be three weeks from tomorrow is the signing day, February 7th. So he's got to make a decision one way or the other, because even if he leaves, you'd want to give a new coach time to implement everything or as much as possible, not so much before spring practice, although that's part of it, but also just for uh, getting you know, signing day coming up. Again, three weeks away. Now, Tanner let me know that this, I didn't even think there'd be this many on this. Wow. As far as coaches that have won a Super Bowl and a national championship in college football Barry Switzer, Dallas, Oklahoma, Dallas Cowboys, of course, Oklahoma in college. Jimmy Johnson, Dallas Cowboys. He won a national championship, though, Tanner? I don't even, was, uh, Jimmy Johnson was at Miami? With Miami. Okay, okay. I was thinking of Oklahoma State, obviously, but at Miami, they won a national, and Pete Carroll, USC, in Seattle. So still a short list. Uh, I don't know if that's something Jim Harbaugh has interest in. And I am of the mindset, I guess, where I was polling for him yesterday. And I know he's probably guilty on some fronts. He made a comment yesterday we are innocent. Off the field, we are innocent was one of his comments. And even though he's probably had some knowledge, I'll go with this What I said yesterday, and I really believe in this, that coaches, first of all, they're really smart. And they've been through so much dealing with the NCAA and everything involved with that, that I don't think necessarily they would let themselves be put in a situation that they don't have to be. And what I mean by that, if you're going to have some kind of cheating, which I guess it can be labeled as, on the college level, like Connor Stallions with Michigan, would you want to keep the head coach as far away as possible with that? And I think in a lot of these situations, they do. And I, I know Chris brings up Rick Bettino often, and he's never been directly... Well, he wasn't directly implicated in what went on in Louisville. as was an assistant coach who was doing the deal with the escorts. Now, Rick Pitino might have had some questionable things off the court in his personal life, but I'm talking about as far as college cheating or the allegation. Uh, when John Calipari was at Memphis, Derek, uh, Derek Rose... Was there and somehow took the SAT, instead of in Chicago or Illinois where he was living in high school, I think he went to Michigan, allegedly, and people wondered why. Maybe somebody else took the SAT for him. There was, you know, rumors at least. I just think if you're guilty with so many eyeballs for the last how many years with social media and cell phone cameras and everything else with technology, you're not going to get away with it. I think it'd be really hard to get away with those kind of cheating allegations, especially with coaches that are so, you know, uh, uh, public and out there, popular with a Calipari, a Bettino, or a Jim Harbaugh. So I I think Michigan probably took us against the world mentality, and that's fine. It worked. Uh, And, you know, they deserved the championship. And I, I don't believe, and some people have brought up, that this championship is tainted. And I know people have brought that up. I was happy to see Paul Feinbaum from ESPN, who's a big SEC guy, and very much the opposite with Jim Harbaugh over the years. One of his quotes this morning was, I've never been so wrong in my life. And he gave Michigan a ton of credit. And I'm glad he did that. You can be critical, you can dislike, and I think there is something personal there for some reason with Feinbaum and Harbaugh. But you got to give credit where credit is due. And I certainly think that Jim Harbaugh deserved a lot of credit For that win last night. I wonder if they give Connor Stallions a ring. Tanner, do you know, did they show him in the crowd last night? No? They said he was probably going to be there. He was at the Rose Bowl last week. I do know that, Connor Stallions, who was the man uh, directly implicated as far as uh, the stealing signs, going on the road. Uh, I don't even know what his exact title was for Michigan, which he no longer is employed by. But he was the main name in this scandal, which the NCAA is still investigating. And that's the part about Harbazi staying or going. Do you want to deal with this investigation in the fallout? And I have brought up Pete Carroll numerous times over the years. He was rumored to go into the NFL so many times from USC Where, again, won a national championship. I mean, he was so popular. It was like the pro team in L.A. uh, with USC those years. The celebrities were there. They were winning five-star recruits. And then when it got really hot with the NCAA, then he goes to Seattle in the NFL. Uh, To me, there's no doubt he left because he didn't want to have to deal with the sanctions that Lane Kiffin had to deal with. Bowl bans, loss of scholarships, and all that. So maybe Harbaugh, if he realizes there's going to be any kind of sanctions with this, that maybe he'd want to get out for those reasons. We'll have to wait and see. Going back to the game, uh, again, I felt really good for Roman Wilson. Three catches, 54 yards, no touchdowns, as we mentioned. All touchdowns for Michigan, all four were via the running game. And one of the things I want to bring up a little bit later is J.J. McCarthy. Good quarterback. And Tanner is our college football expert. So coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to get his take on a comparison. I'll I'll give the comparison right now. And if you guys have an opinion, feel free to call us or text us at 808-296-1420. What is the difference between J.J. McCarthy leading his team and a quarterback who did basically the same thing last two years, Stetson Bennett with Georgia? And I I don't want to give the label game manager because I don't think either like that Although Bennett might be more. Uh, rightly suit, ordained, or labeled that J.J. McCarthy's a really good quarterback. I, I don't think he's like Michael Penix Jr. I don't think he's like Bo Nix or some of the others. Drake May and I saw a list today where he's labeled as maybe the fifth best quarterback in the draft. I don't know what Mel Kiper has him lately. Uh, but 10 of 1,840 yards, but that's not Michigan's game. They're not going to usually throw for 300, 50, 400 yards like some of these other teams. They more rely on the running game, and they got the job done last night. So you can't argue with success, that's for sure. Uh, an exciting game, not dramatic at the end. That was the only thing it was probably lacking. we got a lot more to go over this morning. And uh, also coming up before 7 a.m., we've got a couple of tickets for men's volleyball. Tomorrow night, it's against Emmanuel University. At the Stan Sheriff Center. So we'll do that before 7 a.m. Sports Animals from 7 to 9 will have basketball and volleyball tickets for the University of Hawaii to give out. Also, a reminder, tonight it's Call the Coach, the first one with men's volleyball this year. And Charlie Wade will be the guest. Tiff Wells will be the host. So that is coming up tonight at 6 30 p.m. on ESPN Honolulu and at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. Hey, football season is still not over in the NFL. We've got these playoff games coming up, and you can win $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 in weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. All you got to do is visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. It is absolutely free. Larry Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, with the Bobby Curran show on ESPN Honolulu. You can give us a call or text at 808-296-1420. Uh, with the sports animals later on about 7:20 this morning, we'll have Larry Kruger uh, from the Krug Show on Spotify and YouTube. We'll be talking San Francisco 49ers football. In the eight o'clock hour at 8:20 a.m., we will have John Venery join us, play-by-play voice on ESPN Honolulu, of course, for UH football. Just to get his take on what we're hearing about new assistant coaches being hired. They haven't been hired yet. I want to get his take on what he has heard, what he thinks about these new probable additions might be the way to go with that. We got a text during the break, and um, I don't know exactly which quarterback he's talking about, but somebody texted in and says, I was sure he would solidify the first quarterback pick in the next NFL draft. I, don't, I know he's not talking about J.J. McCarthy. I would imagine he's talking about Michael Penix then? Uh, Because whoever texted that at the uh, 398 number, please be more specific. I am curious to who you're
1: talking about. Well, Gary, the text right before, he's talking about Michael Penix.
0: Okay. Okay. From today as well? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. I only saw the latest one there. Yeah, I I mean, we were just talking during the break, Tanner and I, and, you know, Caleb Williams is still listed as the number one quarterback. I think there might be a debate depending on who you ask, whether it's Mel Kuyper or others who would be number two, and I'll get Tanner's take on that in just a second. But Michael Penix Jr. has never been, as far as I can recall, and I've been looking at a lot of lists in the last week or two, even a top three or four quarterback. You know, you still have Drake May. Uh, there's a couple of other guys. I don't know where Bo Nix would even fit on there. J.J. Jo- McCarthy was fifth on one list I looked at. And Mel Kiper Jr. on his big board that I saw the other day, it was Caleb Williams, Drake May. I'm trying to remember who was third on that list. Probably
1: but- Jaden Daniels.
0: Jaden Daniels. Of course, that was the other one I was forgetting there. Yeah, so I don't think Michael Penix was going to be in a position to be number one. And Tanner brought up a good point. I'll let you expand right now, Tanner, about the injuries uh, question that NFL teams are probably going to have.
1: Yeah, so like for Michael Penix, he's Obviously dealt with so many injuries just in his past, whether it be, you know, talking from his days at Indiana, whether it be the last couple of maybe this year just for Washington. He's had like a lot of injury issues as well. I think a lot of GMs really take that into account, especially for a guy that's been playing college football since like 2019, since 2020. So that's an issue because when you look at what Michael Penix was when he was winning games at Indiana, he is far away a different player than how he was with Washington this year and I think that's where a lot of concern lays is okay how durable are you and now you're going to be strictly a pocket passer most likely in the NFL if you're Michael Penix because he just doesn't have the same legs as he used to before not saying that he was like Michael Vick out there but he had legs under him at Indiana I think about that one game-winning reach he had against Penn State where he like pretty much like dislocated his shoulder as he was reaching for the uh, pylon there. But, yeah, injuries is going to be the worst part for Michael Penix. Um, that was a lot of issues, I think, with last night when he didn't necessarily look like he was on point with his offense, with his placement of his balls. He was missing a lot of balls that you wouldn't expect him to miss, especially when you are uh, coming off of the game that he had against Texas. Right. I just think in the last game of the year, He just kept getting hit, kept getting hit. He had that ankle issue as well. And you just saw him after the game with the towels over his head. And he's like limping into the tunnel, holding his like ribs at the same time. I just felt bad for him. And it would have been awesome for him to have this triumphant win battling through all these injuries. Unfortunately, I think that's what limited Washington in the end was just that they just didn't have enough like last-minute durability they push them over Michigan,
0: yeah. He had that one. I forget which was the receiver again for Washington, but he had that Roman one. Yeah, he had no. For, for, I mean for Washington, excuse me, for Michael Penix, where he he had a perfectly thrown pass. I believe it was in the fourth quarter, and the receiver just I don't know if he turned the wrong way, and just, that that should have been a completion. That's that's one. You know, one play out of Pope. many. I can't That's just one play out of many. It's interesting what you bring up because yeah, against um Texas the week before, he was Michael Penix as we knew him and loved him as far as the numbers he was putting up. He was
1: he was missing a lot of open receivers. And I think that just screams at how amazing that Michigan defense was. True. And that how much how they, how great of a job they did in hiding a lot of their pressure and just getting in Michael Penix's face without really generating you know, the huge sack numbers that they had against Alabama. They did enough to at least affect Michael Penix where he was missing wide-open guys that you would just never expect them to miss.
0: Right, right. It, it, it was a big difference, and the, the texter, the, as you kind of uh, alluded to earlier, the first part of the text that he said was, what do you think about Michael Penix was so off after throwing dimes in the Texas game and just pitching pennies last night. I like that. He was nowhere on, near on point like the previous game, which is basically what Tana was just saying as well. I, I, I want to see where some of these guys like a Michael Penix is a good example where he had a great week last Monday, not so much last night, where the Scouts or Mel Kuiper or some of the other people might put him now. but Because between now and late April, you're going to have a lot of guys moving up and down in all these mock drafts.
1: And with Michael Penix, I think what we're going to see where his final placement is going to land him is going to be after the combine and then in individual uh, practices. Obviously, right, right. we'll all figure out where everyone is by then. But I think there's probably going to be a lot of tests and a lot of questions about his injuries and his durability and whether or not he can make it through a couple of years of the NFL. Because that's always the rough part is sometimes you'll have guys that are, you know, never had an injury their entire college career. Then they have one injury in the NFL, and then they're done. And then you can have guys who, like, are just well injured every single year. I think of a guy like Taysom Hill at BYU, where he basically tore his ACL every single year. And now, you know, for the Saints, he's been pretty much their uh, uh, Swiss Army knife, been doing absolutely everything for them. And never really think about how much, you know, of an injury issue that he could be for the New Orleans Saints. So that's also really hard to judge. Of okay, how much do you judge the durability of a guy in college, and if he, whether or not he stays healthy in the NFL? That's going to be the biggest question, and I think that just limits Michael Penix to as early as maybe day two. I don't think he, I just don't think he gets into the round one just because of all these injuries.
0: Yeah, it's going to be something to follow to see where he does fall, and I could see that playing out either way. I did mention a few minutes ago about a comparison. Again, you look at uh, on the other side of the quarterback spot for last night, J.J. J. J. McCarthy, 10 of 1,840 yards, and when people compare him as, or maybe list him as some of the great quarterbacks in college this year or best seasons in college football this year, I think, you know, you win a national championship, quarterback deserves a ton of credit. I don't know if game manager is the right label for him, but it wasn't his passing that won the game. It was the running game that won the game. So I was thinking to myself about the comparison with maybe a J.J. McCarthy and a Stetson Bennett who won the last two championships for Georgia. He is now a backup for the L.A. Rams. I forget what round he was drafted. But it was pretty. I think it was a day three draft, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, I think with J.J. McCarthy, I look at the success of Michigan – And I think there is a lot to a lot of people when they say that J.J. McCarthy is probably the best Michigan quarterback of all time. And I would say in terms of talent, in terms of results, I think I'd agree with them because he has been at least recency bias-wise as well. Sure. Uh, I think that's fair to say because he has now recently won the national championship. But I think it's also fair to say that he benefits greatly from a pretty good wide receiver core. Not the best, I'll say. Um, He... He benefits from the greatest running back duo, I think, in the country, which a lot of people tend to forget about in Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Mind you, remember Blake Corum last year, fifth place in Heisman voting. Uh, then he had went down with injury. Donovan hurt, Edwards right, had a right. couple of really great games as well last year. Um, and then also the Joe Moore Award winning offensive line, they didn't win it this year, but they won it like two years in a row last year. And then they were down their um, All-American Zach Zinner, their guard, who was... Probably projected to be a first round kind of guy before he uh, had that really terrible injury in the big in the game against Ohio State. So I think it's tough to judge like just based off a of box score and games. I think JJ McCarthy is going to benefit greatly from the combine and some individual drills as well with teams as well as team meetings because he seems to be a good kid. He meditates. That's always a good thing. You're not going to get you know a Georgia guy. Uh, like Jalen Carter or even like a guy like Stetson Bennett who had a DUI himself during the draft process. So I think J.J. McCarthy might be, you know, a guy that could crack
0: the first round just because... So you say J.J. McCarthy would get drafted before Michael Penix? Yes. Wow.
1: I think just because, one, he's not as injury-related as Michael Penix. Yeah, that's the big thing, of course. It's obvious that he has athleticism towards him. I think that's the best part of his game is that he's a pretty solid dual threat kind of guy. He's not going to be Lamar Jackson, but he can get out of the pocket and extend some plays. But he's going to be one of those guys where I think he will succeed the best if he's surrounded by a good team. Obviously, I think of a guy like Brock Purdy, who you know had a really great college career, didn't really get a lot of look NFL-wise, and is surrounded by a really great team and is successful because of it. If he's put into a situation like, uh, I'm trying to think of a really terrible, like if he was like Bryce Young, I think he would be performing. Can't get much just, more terrible than that. He's probably performing just as well as Bryce Young has tried to perform this year. That's so setting the bar pretty he's not, low. It's setting the bar pretty low, but I just feel Bryce feel bad for Bryce Young for being put in such a terrible position yeah, in right, Carolina. Um, because I don't put that on Bryce Young. But if J.J. McCarthy were there, I think it would pretty much be the same. But if you put him in a situation like with Houston, I don't think he's doing as good as C.J. Stroud, but I think they he does better than Davis Mills. Not so that's, that's the thing with J.J. McCarthy is I just don't really know how much I could judge him because he was surrounded by such a great team in college.
0: You know, I, we have to go to a break in a second. But even with Stetson Bennett, the, the label on him was that he'll be a, maybe a career backup, won't be a you know high draft pick. But and again, he won two national championships, and I thought he deserved more credit than what he got. I thought he was a really good runner, and I remember the Missouri game as last year where. His running helped win that game where they were about to lose in that fourth quarter. I thought he was more than a better than average passer as well with uh, Georgia as well. By the way, there's a new quarterback at Georgia. You might be familiar with his name. Went to the transfer portal lately. We'll tell you about that when we come back. Also, if you would like to win a pair of volleyball tickets for tomorrow night, Hawaii versus Emmanuel at the Stan Sheriff Center in Simplify Arena. Be the second caller at 808-296-1420, and those tickets are yours. Back with the uh, i about to say back with the sports sandals. Back on the Bobby Curran Show in just a minute on ESPN, Honolulu 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Back we are in this Tuesday morning on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth. And if you'd like to give us a call or text 808-296-1420, we do have those volleyball tickets. Uh, we did have somebody call during the break, but now we just need the next caller. As I said, caller number two at 808-296-1420, a pair of volleyball tickets for tomorrow night against Emmanuel University, and uh, we'll have Charlie Wade talking about that. And last weekend coming up tonight on Call the Coach with Tiffwell. 6.30 p.m. tonight on ESPN Honolulu at Ruby Tuesday, Moanalua. They've got a Tuesday flash sale every, week, every Tuesday. and Tonight it's uh, fish and chips on sale for just $16.99 tonight at Ruby Tuesday. You know, I want to talk some UH football, I'll switch gears for a little bit. We'll get back to college football a little bit later. I know Chris will uh, chime in as he joins us after 7 o'clock. Steven Sy kind of wrote about this recently and again in Today's Star Advertiser about the upcoming schedule. And I'm not sure if the University of Hawaii has issued a formal announcement or an official announcement, but everything we have seen uh, is more than a strong indicator now. And Oregon has already said that they've canceled the game the University of Hawaii next year. It was supposed to be, I think, August 24th. It was week zero. And there has been really strong rumors about that game getting canceled, Uh, mostly from what we hear. Oregon wanted to keep the rivalry with Oregon State intact. Now they're going to be in different conferences. They wouldn't play each other, so it'll be a non-conference game. So they're still going to have that game, and that was the main reason for that. There were rumors, and again, sometimes these rumors come true, uh, sometimes they are not and the strong rumor was that Hawaii was maybe going to go on the road and play a big ten opponent and i'm not going to name the school because it was again it was kind of came second hand information and it, pro- it sounded like it could have been legit but didn't happen and according to Stephen Side, that game has fallen through so right now you only have 11 games on the schedule and one of them is against northern iowa northern iowa the non mountain west schedule is a lot shorter than it usually looks. you got UCLA on August 31st. That's a home game here. And then you've got two weeks later Sam Houston here. uh, Excuse me, on the road. That's going to be in Texas. And Sam Houston now FBS. And then Northern Iowa on September 21st here at uh, Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. And they are FCS so that's it right now and you got the seven remember seven mountain west games and washington state which doesn't count on the conference record or the standing so it's a little different schedule to say the least as of now we understand that deal with washington state and oregon state is the same for every mountain west school so there's only seven conference games as far as qualifying for a mountain west championship it's little different, to say the least. But the non-conference game, I mean, we're used to having 13 games. I don't know how many years in a row it's been 13, but it's been a while. I can't remember the last time we only had 12. Now, I'm throwing out the COVID year because that was a weird season. I believe there were only eight, regular, eight eight games besides the bowl game that year. And then we uh, beat Houston in the bowl game, remember, in the Frisco Bowl. Well, it was played in Frisco, Texas. It was the Mexico Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. So what does Hawaii do? I mean, it's actually kind of late in the game to try to get the team scheduled. We know that schedules are made years and years and years in advance. And one of the things I read recently about the Oregon-Hawaii situation, this came from uh, OregonLive.com, I believe it was called, might have been the Oregonian, is that in 2020, Hawaii was supposed to play Oregon. As I just mentioned, every non-conference game for most schools, if not more, was canceled because of COVID. Remember, at one point, there wasn't going to be a college football season. Uh, there was times in late August, early September where college football for Hawaii was not happening. And then a few weeks later, we get the great news that it will happen, but it'll just be a conference schedule. So that Oregon game that was originally scheduled in 2020, according to Oregon's website, uh, will now was moved to 2031, and that's way down the line. And uh, Maybe we'll have a new stadium by then, maybe not. And I wish I was joking, but I don't think I am as of yet at least. I know they're saying 2028, we'll save that for another time. Uh, and Oregon did say, according to the article, that they're going to try to make up this game that is canceled. And now Hawaii will not have to give them the appearance fee of about $500,000, so they saved that. But I don't know if they're really saving it because they're going to hopefully schedule another Power 5 team non-conference, and they'll have to give them some money. Now, Northern Iowa, and I, I, I love hearing the specifics on these as far as the purses, meaning how much teams or schools get paid for basketball and football especially for going to road games. Now, conference games don't count in this, but almost every game in football and basketball, that's a non-conference game. There's money involved as far as getting a team to come to your place. Sometimes it's a home-and-home, especially in football. And the Oregon one, I believe, was a two-for-one. So I think the Stanford one from last year, I believe, was a two-for-one and those schools will have two home games, we'll get one. They don't want to come here twice if they can help it. So you're still going to probably have to pay another school at least that much, if not more. That's actually getting off cheaply, uh, $500,000, which might sound crazy. Northern Iowa, I don't know what they would get out of it, and even Sam Houston. It's not like you're giving them 500000 as an example, to play here. And I don't know what it is for those smaller schools. I know in basketball I've seen st- or read and talked to coaches about stories where you know, you can get. You're not going to get football money, but you can get some pretty good money uh, now. If it's a made-for-TV game, the network will pay for it. The sponsor will pay for it. I uh, remember Hawaii men's basketball a long time ago. Well, it was probably six, seven years ago. They played Missouri on the road one year in Gonzaga on an. Uh, I think they played Gonzaga in Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. They are from Spokane, of course, not too far away. And there was money involved. Hawaii would get money out of it. Uh, I think those would have sponsors paying out that, not really. And it might have been in conjunction with the TV network. It was on regional TV. It wasn't ESPN. It wasn't a national game. And I had a friend who was the coach of Loyola of Maryland for a while. And he played one year Duke and Carolina, like December 29th and 31st, back-to-back basically, road games, and he got 350000 for each game. This was 10 years ago. And he said they did it for the money. You know, they did it for the money to help the program. Dick Tomey had told us many years ago on our football pregame show that when he was at San Jose State, same thing. He would schedule these body bag games just because the school needed the money. You know, it probably helped a little bit of recruiting, to say the least. You have to play Ohio State on the road or Alabama, and they were playing big teams like that. I know one of them, I believe, was Alabama, uh, but they got over a million dollars for all three, for each game of those. I think it was three that year, and you know, you got to do that sometimes. But again, going back to Hawaii, you're probably gonna have to pay somebody if you want to get a Power Five school here. And again, looking at the schedule, you would I think you as a fan you want more games. A I mean, you definitely want more. Now, if you want to qualify for a bowl game, as we know, you've got to get at least 500 to qualify. You might get in the back door if you're 6-7 and seven or 5-7, and seven, as we saw with Minnesota this year. But to qualify, you got to go 500. So do we want that 13th game? Um, financially speaking, I would think you'd want it, especially if it's a home game, as opposed to having going on the road. And right now, the only road game out of conference is that Sam Houston game. And I don't know what kind of money Hawaii is getting for going there. Probably not a lot, because they're not a well-off school, so they're probably not going to have a five hundred thousand dollar buyout there. So the Oregon game, I guess, is done. It's not going to happen. There was talk it might go to Las Vegas, that fell through apparently, if there was ever anything to that. But what does Hawaii do now? And Craig Angeles, I'm sure, is you know working the phones trying to get somebody. But as we're in January. And the game is eight – I mean, the date of college football starting is eight months away. Remember, we we can get into week zero, still August 24th. Uh, I think a lot of us are curious what they can do at this late stage. We'll find out a little bit more. But Tanner has something before we go to break. Because
1: I want to say, I remember talking about this with Craig Angelus, and I'm not sure if he brought this up on one of the Craig Angelus shows, but he has talked about in the past of going away from that 13th game. Because I do know right. that he has talked about that. So maybe what if this is the year, just because of the situation we're in, you do schedule one of those rumored teams like one of the Syracuse or the Illinois, and then that's just it for the season. That's our
0: 12-game That's season. what it sounds like right now that it would be. First of all, because of what you just said, also, again, we're in January. It might be hard to get two quality teams, if two teams at all. Most team schedule is done. So I think that's the way you have to look at it. We'll continue this in just a second. And if you have a thought on this, we'd love to get your comments on the phone or via the text. i uh, going to get a reminder. We've got Call the Coach with Charlie Wade presented by Paxa. And it returns tonight at 6.30 p.m. live on location at Ruby Tuesday Moanalua. You can join us on site and enjoy Ruby Tuesday special prize giveaways. And get the latest on Hawaii Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Charlie Wade and Tiff Wells 6.30 p.m. tonight on ESPN Honolulu. Bye. Back we are, Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayward, Chris Hart, joining us at 7 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Current Show. And we got a text from Craig. We're talking about Hawaii football and their schedule. And he says, I think UH wants to schedule an away game and earn some money in place of the Oregon game. That could be true, and how different of an approach that is than maybe in recent years when you had maybe a bigger stadium because you usually want to have home games to make money now if you're going to go play in ohio state or michigan some of those schools you're going to get a million dollar payday but you also have to pay for the travel and all that stuff involved out of it you're still going to make a profit out of it sure but normally you would want to keep the home games and have more home games but with the lack of attendance these years uh, even if you were at the new stadium, I don't know how much more it's going well, to be more than what we get on campus right now, I would think, but that might be the approach. And again, the Oregon game, I thought would have been a good draw. I mean, if there was going to be a game that would have sold out, uh, at TC chain complex, it would have been Oregon. You would think, you know, Stanford last year for the home opener got about 12,000 plus. Uh, so you would think Oregon would, especially if with Dylan Gabriel, wow. That that would have been uh, standing room only, I think, at least just Oregon in itself, and you're throwing Dylan. That game's not happening. And uh, going on the road might be more profitable. But again, most team schedules, including Hawaii, you have if not every non-conference game very close to that, made years and years in advance. So when you're getting games to play for 2024, I mean, I mean, I'll, I don't think it's the right uh, comparison, but men's basketball. When they had, I don't, and I really don't know who the school was that dropped out of the Rainbow Classic. They weren't able to have one this year. But on late notice, who are you going to get? I remember the schedule came out probably as late as we've ever seen for men's basketball this year. I don't know if it was in mid-August or whenever it was, but it was pretty late. might have even been September, in fact, when it came out. And you didn't actually uh, have the marquee teams that you might have hoped for. Now, it might not be a lot different than other years, but when you're scheduling late, It limits who you can schedule because, again, not everybody is waiting till the late stages of scheduling and releasing the schedule and all that. So for football, again, this is pretty late in the game. And I don't think there's a ton of schools, and I'd be curious to find out how many FES schools still have an opening for next year. And it's probably not many because most schools don't wait. And when you have a team that bows out late, like Oregon, and this is kind of late, even though the talk has been there for a while about them you know, not going to be in this game because of the reasons I mentioned, you probably started looking. And again, there was allegedly a Big Ten road game that was possible that apparently has fallen through from what Steven Sy reports. I don't know what would be next for them. I, you know, I don't want to see, you know, for me at least, another FCS school. Uh, Northern Iowa has been good. When they were here, it had to be over 10 years ago. Now, David Johnson was their running back. We heard a lot about him. He had a pretty good NFL career, and that was an FCS school. Uh, and you already have them coming in this year. Sam Houston State is a road game, but it's not. it still seems like an FCS school. So you don't want to schedule another one of them unless you have very little choices. And remember, for qualifying for a bowl game, you can schedule two FCS schools, but only one win will count on your get your uh, eligibility for qualifying for a bowl game. So let's say Hawaii has a 12 game schedule and they go 6 and 6. But two of those games are against FCS opponents and those are both wins, well they actually would be 5 and 6 according to bowl eligibility. So that's one reason I think you'd want to stay away from that. Also it's not going to be as big of a draw. But again, you don't have a lot of options at this late stage and even though it's maybe earlier mid-January now, that is kind of late in the game for that. So we'll have to see how it goes out. But I'm sure these, you know, uh, Craig Angelus is aware of this and is trying to work the phones and seeing who is available and what deals they can work out. So hopefully we'll hear something positive on that sometime soon. We're going to take a break. We'll get you caught up in traffic. Hopefully some good news out there. It doesn't seem like it's raining downtown right now. And uh, Chris Hart will join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk some 49ers football in 20 minutes, all ahead on the uh, Sports Animals Show on ESPN on the